What is up, y'all? My name is Kristen. My name is Sarah. And welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast. In pajamas. <laughs> it just so happened to happen. By accident. Like, didn't even cute. plan it. I know. Hope y'all had a happy, happy, whatever it is y'all celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Hollandaise. Yeah. Sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and a happy new year because this is probably going to come out maybe sometime around that time. So. Stay tuned. We have a drunk mystery in history coming up next. And until then, I have a case. It's something. It's from Reddit. So, you know, it's going to be mind boggling for sure. Hmm. But this case is one that I think will probably have you questioning our justice system maybe at the end of the day. It's a rather interesting one to talk about, so we'll just go ahead and get into it. Today, I am talking about the zoo man, otherwise known as Thomas Husky. Oh. I'm taking us to October 20th of 1992 when a hunter would walk upon the body of 32-year-old Patrice Rose Anderson along the woods of Cahaba Lane. Cahaba Lane is located within Knoxville, Tennessee, and is a meetup spot that is known within the area, uh, particularly among sex workers, and is located within the East Knox County. Searches that were done by deputies within the following weeks of where Patricia Anderson was killed would turn up two more bodies, and then finally, a while later, a fourth. All of these bodies would be found without clothes, and all would be found later through an autopsy to be killed by strangulation. When Officer Tom Presley with the Knoxville Police Department got word of what was going on at Cahaba Lane, he immediately reached for the phone and decided to call the county police. When they answered, he would tell them, I think I know who your killer is. Apparently, not even eight months ago, Officer Presley had an apparent run-in with the supposed killer. In February of 1992, a woman would walk into the Knoxville Police Department and talk with investigator Tom Presley and tell him that she had been abducted within the city and taken out into the countryside where this man would rape and assault her before tying her up and robbing her. Oh, shit. It will become apparent rather quickly um, that since this case involves sex workers, there is a little bit of tension between the victims and the investigators. It is the 90s, so there's not much progress that was made during this time when it comes to that. And there are a lot of preconceived notions between victims, between investigators. It's just all around not... Mistrust. Mistrust on both sides. Starting off with Tom Presley, so Tom Presley would immediately be like, oh, this woman is lying. I can tell, like, she wasn't abducted. I don't believe her story. And when he begins to press this woman, she would tell him, you know, yes, I am being mistrustful with you. Uh, I am actually a sex worker, and I was with a guy when he all of a sudden attacked and raped and robbed me. She would tell Officer Presley, this happened at Cahaba Lane, and I can actually take you there. And so when he did and they pulled up, they would see the very car that she stated belonged to the guy that attacked her. When she got out of the car, she began to point out to items that she said belonged to her that were within the car and kind of strewn about. And as she walked further into the woods, Presley would even hear her state, there he is now. A man who would be later identified as Thomas Husky had been standing right in front of them, and with them was a girl kneeling on her knees naked right beside him and tacking her. Presley would immediately hold up a gun to Husky and arrest him for these brutal attacks that were being done, and Presley would bring Husky along with the two women down to the precinct where the two women would later be questioned. 
When the women were questioned, both would admit that, yes, they were sex workers and they had both went to Cahaba Lane willingly with Husky. And because of this and because of the mistrust within the system and probably with fear of what Husky would do, they just refused to testify. Husky had been known throughout the town and even within the sex work community for being an all-around aggressive and mean guy. The nickname the Zoo Man actually came from the sex workers. It wasn't from the investigators. This was a nickname that the sex workers gave Husky because Husky had attacked and raped so many of them in the area. And when he did this, he would often take them to the woods that was located right next to an elephant barn where he had worked. Ew. Okay. And not like, not fun fact, he got fired from this place for abusing the elephants. (gasps) I don't want to know. I do not want to know. I didn't. I don't. I don't tell you. I don't tell you. I didn't want to know either. That's an... Ugh, heebie-jeebies, yeah. That one woman that got killed by an elephant, and it turned out that she had, like, helped poachers. Do you remember that story? Maybe. She, like, killed... The elephant killed her, and then at the funeral, the elephant went and, like, ruined the funeral. <gasps> I love and that everyone that elephant. Everyone was so shocked, and they were like, what did this poor lady do? And then someone did digging, and they were like, oh, this old lady helped poachers get this elephant's baby. So I was like, "Mm, well. I fucking love that. They never forget. Elephants are very intelligent. Have you seen the ones who paint? Yes. So adorable, but, like, very intelligent. This guy, I don't even say it. I don't write it down, but... He has, like, art. I think he draws elephants or stuff that you can, like, purchase. Which, disgusting. I don't... Yeah. That money should go to victims' families. Exactly. It doesn't, though, I don't think. And so I think since the sex workers knew Thomas Husky, a.k.a. the Zoo Man, as they had coined him within their community, and, I mean, he... I, I believe he, and I think maybe I get into it, has had some, like petty robbery charges in the past, but definitely hasn't been going to jail for attacking all of these women in this area. So these two women that are being questioned over this, even though they've, the police have like walked in on a blatant attack, they just feel like there's no way that if this goes to court that they would even win. And so because of this, they're just, they say, you know what, I'm not going to testify. And so because of this, the police basically have to drop the charges and thomas is like oh there's no case yeah there's no case fuck yeah even though an actual police officer walked in on him in the forest with a naked woman on her knees that it's so because i can only imagine how the 90s was it's such a victim shaming even now in this day and age right how it was in the 90s so i can't imagine a woman even being caught because they're gonna say oh you went with him willingly oh right. you're a sex worker yeah, oh this is what you get paid that. to do because it's he so could have said like oh she's a prostitute we were role-playing she agreed to all of this it, and she agreed no to regard. willingly go with him and so like yeah oh fuck it's so fucking ridiculous and then it's like oh it's her word versus mine even though you have two women that are stating oh we we were and more as we see like more women obviously will come forward but so many women have been terrorized by this man but it's such a broken system sorry if people get offended by that at least when it comes to sexual assault and those terms that like they just didn't see any hope in them going to trial so they were like we're we're just not and so yeah he he gets off uh dan stewart from knox county sheriff's office who is involved in the case later on stated that i think he did what a lot of criminals do he learned from his mistakes and he decided next time he was not going to leave any witnesses behind Ugh. well okay but also if you don't think our justice system is fucked or corrupt or whatever then 
then this is not the podcast for you. No. <laughs> Because there's, I think you should go see a therapist um, or, like, read a bunch or, like, get more into true crime and read actual, like, legalities and shit that happens. And um, You're going to get re... Oh, you're going to get Well, just read facts. Yeah. Educate yourself. Just wait. Mm. And then come back to us when you agree because... This case in particular does have a lot of legal. I don't get into it because I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to explain it very well. I may, like, throw in a little bit, but there's a lot of rights that are believed to be stepped on, and uh, it, it this gets very... Messy. M- messy quickly. Yeah. So after Officer Presley goes to investigators in uh, Knoxville County and are saying, hey, I believe that this guy is your prime suspect. Police were rather quick to grab Thomas Husky the very next day on October 21st. So they found the body on the 20th. Presley heard what was going on. And the next day he was picked up. When Thomas was picked up, he had an apparent warrant for solicitation prior to this had nothing to do with murders. I know, like, I don't think he was, like, knocking on doors, but I know you can get solicitation. No, solicitation. <laughs> That's how I think. Solicitation <laughs> is, like, prostitution charges. Oh, you know, I'm so... Why does it say no solicitation on fucking doors? Because that there's different meanings. They should yeah. really change... That, that's, like, they should change that. So when they bring Thomas up to the courts for the soliciting charge, when he signs the document, I I don't believe they notice it at the time, but he signs the document as Kyle. And when he goes with investigators afterwards to be questioned, he gives his he gives four different accounts, three of which he deems himself as Kyle and three of which include him confessing to murdering Patricia. Calling himself Kyle, he would brag about how Patricia Anderson had begged him not to kill her, as I did find in one article that uh, I believe she was pregnant at the time. Mm -hmm. But instead, she was found face down with a jacket and an old mattress shoved on top of her. He would also brag that there were three other victims out in that field, and that is why police began that search that I had mentioned to the be- in the beginning, those following weeks after Patricia's body oh, was shit. found. It was because Thomas said there are actually more bodies out there, and so they so began they... to look, and that's so, when they okay. found them. Because I immediately was like, oh, they were just like... They accidentally found more bodies. It's, it, I don't unfortunately think that that's Shit. a case where they're going to be like, oh, let's search the surrounding area. Right, let's they're... like fucking scale. I am, you know, it's horrendous that this dude would kill these people, women, but I'm thankful that he like led authorities to their bodies so that he mentioned because a lot of them won't say or, yeah, or they'll like harbor that secret like as leverage against authorities or like, a lot of them will use lie it as a it. weapon like oh well you know I'll and this give you is this piece of information if you give me this like yeah and i will say i you never know. I can't say with 100% certainty, but from what I read, this really doesn't seem like a case where he killed more than the four that I'm talking about okay. in this case. I don't think that he did anything prior to, or uh, I mean, he was caught after. But or that like he hid. Or yeah. So I'm. That's at least good that they were able to do that. I, I feel like at maybe some point those bodies would have eventually been found just because that was kind of like a well-traveled area. But who's to say? And it, yeah. It's, well, and like he seems like, like these are just, just like really sad. Give it away, so. Yeah. The three bodies that would later be found would be identified as Darlene Smith, Patricia Johnson, and Susan Stone. And I'm so sorry. I Again, it's because of, I believe, the position that these women worked. This case is just 
focused more on the serial killer and not the victims themselves. It was really hard mm. to find information about these women. Unfortunately, at the end, I don't really have a lot to say, uh, but I don't, like, uh, I want to... I tried right. to look. I don't even believe I could find their age in there. And if well, someone so is sad, able to find it, let like, me know, and I'll, like, update it down below. But it's just... Not only are sex workers forgotten or, you know, overlooked by authorities and professionals, but sometimes they are isolated from their families as well. So their families, like, would never even know if they were missing or dead or not. And so there's, they really are just, but it's hard. I'm sure that there may have even been like workers within the area that may have noticed, but they can't ask. Well, it's not like they could go to police and be like, oh, I think my friend's missing because the mistrust. Police could still just like go and ask around. Like, but I don't, I don't, even I don't think 90s, that they would, though, is the, the 90s, unfortunate reality. It was more normalized than it was maybe in the 70s. I don't know. Because how many cases went, if you're working in a sex work position, oh, well, are you sure they just didn't travel to another town? Like, it's, they just were looking for money elsewhere, especially if they are on some type of drug. Oh, well, they're just on a binge, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're so quick to make excuses, rather, because I, I... No, I agree. It's expensive just, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm they, just saying oh, how easy just... it is to look into those things. Like, they could have... But they don't. I know. The cynical cycle of the... And also, I don't know where I was going. I feel like I was going somewhere with that, like, but I, like... <laughs> well because you and you do have to question if it hadn't been for the discovery of patricia anderson's body how long would it have really taken until thomas husky would have been caught right. i mean no one these no women, one caught on obviously. none of these women i believe were reported missing at the time so yeah. it, oh, and and that um, is like the really scary aspect of it is One of the bodies in the article had been described as rather fresh, while the latter two had been more decomposed. But it was believed during the autopsy that was done that all four women had been murdered within the year 1992. In the fourth statement that I had mentioned, uh, Thomas did not refer to himself as Kyle, but rather a South African named Philip Dax. And he stated that he was there to hurt Thomas. Um, But by the time that this statement had been taken, police had basically got what they needed. I did read that the statements that Kyle, quote unquote, had given were not very accurate. Um, But he did confess to murdering them. Right. Sorry. Or, yeah, to murdering all three of them because eventually he would be linked to Darlene, Patricia, and Susan. So, was it three or four? Four in total. There are two okay. Patricias. Sorry. Oh. Darlene Ugh. Smith, Patricia Johnson, Patricia Anderson, and Susan Stone. So, they were kind of like, well, it's good. We're, we're good. We don't really need enough. Or, sorry, we don't really need any more. But, I mean, they do get more because a search I, would later... Sorry, I do mm-hmm. have a question. Mm-hmm. When he was speaking as the South African, did he have an accent? Like, did he change his voice? Ooh, I don't know. If, I don't... Uh, I didn't write down. And I don't think they tell in articles if he ever gets an accent. Okay. But, I mean, maybe. I could imagine, like, at least the tone of voice... Like high pitch, low pitch. Well, no, I just I asked because like that show I told just told you about the guy like one of the guys' characters was a British dude and he literally like would do a British accent and one of his care uh, not I shouldn't say characters his um, personalities. personalities was someone who could speak like a completely different language. Yeah. When so him himself like couldn't he like didn't know how to do that. If you no. want me to get real nerdy on you right now, what basically I'm going to get into is disassociative identity disorder. Yeah. And uh, aka multiple DID. personality yeah. disorders, it's but it's not thing. the proper term to say anymore. It's DID. It's DID. 
it was at first at least written about in literature in I believe 15 early 1500s and it was believed that this woman was possessed and she wrote about her possession and I want to read about it if you want to hear about it in a drug mystery and history or something I'll so do it and she talks about how um she talks in different languages and she goes through like the self-harm and the classic signs of what we see in exorcism and in the light reading that I did a lot of people that have suffered with what they believe is to be uh, possession is actually suffering from DID Mm -hmm. just fun fact yeah definitely and also um Sorry, going back to the show, Um, because a part of it was, like, this guy who infiltrated this dude's life to, like, write a book on him and make money off of him, but it turns out, like, 20 or so years before that, and this was in, like, the 70s and 80s, like, 20 years before that, there was this, like, girl, this little, like, Younger than it, like a preteen. She was not little, but she was not a teenager. Um, she kind of showed symptoms of being possessed, but then it was she got seen by a psychiatrist and she discovered she was like the first one to make a major breakthrough on the DID, but back then it's multiple personality disorders. And she wrote a book on it and it became really big and it's what made it all like widespread known mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the show I watched on this dude they were kind of trying to like comparing everything to that first case and so I really want to read that book that the woman psychiatrist wrote because it it's an older book and um I'm blanking on the name, but it'd be easy to find. But I feel like it would just be a really interesting read. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other cases that had been written about that was, I guess, seen as the second instance was in the 1600s. And in that case, the woman had split into three personalities and she had seen them as three fallen angels. And one of them she had stated was like, oh, it was an angel that's frozen at the age of nine. And that was the age that like her father had passed. And so they could associate each angel with a specific split in the personality. And it's fucking fascinating stuff yeah. when you get to the nitty gritty of it. So, yeah, I know. Well, it's because it all goes back to trauma. So, yeah. And um, I'm uh, as we uh, find out later on, I mean, this Thomas is someone who did go through trauma, at least from what he states. But so it's an interesting case to talk about. I know. I feel like we could talk about this all day. Like it, we could easily just so, like make it appear like, like talk about personality half and then talk about this case. Like or I'm gonna have to. Like, I'm gonna have to cut some shit out. Just I know. Sorry. It's just like it is so interesting and mind bending mm-hmm. and f- like fascinating. Obviously not in like a pository way, but it is truly like. And there's if, no if it's real, if these people aren't fucking faking it for a mental illness, you know, excuse, then it's fascinating. Yeah. So. And to I feel like I haven't looked into it enough, but to know that I don't know if there's like a precursor as to if someone can just suddenly get it, but if you experience enough trauma, who knows? No, yeah. How I don't think it's genetic at all. Situation. It's... It's yeah, trauma-based. It's, it's purely trauma-based. And but that's what trauma so as a child. Mm-hmm. Because that's what children do to escape is they kind of like pretend and disassociate. And then that like completely sticks yeah. in your biochemistry or whatever. Oh, gosh. Stop being mean to kids. Since police felt like they had enough stuff to go on, they would conduct a search at Thomas at Thomas's parents' home, which was near Pigeon Forge. And during the search, investigators would find a rope, porn, and jewelry that was actually believed to belong to the victims. And some of the rope that was found was actually believed to be some of the rope that was used to bind some of the victims as well. 
On June 2nd of 1993, Thomas Husky would be indicted with the killing of Susan Stone, Darlene Smith, Patricia Rose Anderson, and Patricia Johnson. And with these four charges, he was going to be facing the death penalty if he Mm. was found guilty. The overall judicial process of trying to put Thomas Husky in jail was said to be one of the longest battles in Knox Court County history. And has actually been deemed to be the most expensive case in Tennessee history. What? In 1998, it cost the state around $200,000 in 98 money at the time, I guess, to go. Well, and also probably like most expensive for that time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck yeah. They really wanted to charge. I mean, and rightfully so, because this right. <laughs> guy was just going to, no, not going to go out on the loose. Like, it's, no, no. Uh, if you want to know a fact, in Tennessee, a defendant who cannot afford his own lawyer and is facing the death penalty is entitled to services of two taxpayer-financed lawyers. So I guess if you're facing death penalty, like, you can't... Um, get a shitty lawyer or you can't get just like maybe a basic court appointed lawyer you you have to get you have to pay off somebody plus it has to be somebody good (laughs) and it's taxpayer financed Uh, coming out of tennessee taxpayer pockets another not so fun fact he was actually the state's first and only accused serial killer in knox county history um i haven't checked in 2022 era but i believe it still stands knox as in knoxville right knox county well didn't you say knoxville at the beginning well knoxville is like the city but you know how we have like different counties no yeah like kerrville Mm -hmm. of texas is kerr county yeah exactly so i was just double checking that that was like the same county as the town earlier because i was just picturing it it's in knoxville yes but it's like knox county not it's not all of knoxville Mm -hmm. uh no no it's within a certain like yeah see it's not super important i just it's for my visual Because the case became so popularized during this time, they would have to bring in a jury from Nashville into Davidson County. So this was like 200 miles away from where this was occurring. And it, from the get, just nothing was going right with the case, at least for the side of the prosecutors. A judge would end up ruling that the confession that was given by Thomas Husky, a.k.a. Kyle, had been coerced and the statements would not be able to be used during the trial. So basically his confession of saying, hey, I killed Patricia Anderson and hey, these are where the other three bodies are located would not be admissible in court. Uh, okay. Because he's, I guess, not in his right state of mind. Because no, yeah, him I mean, I get signing, it. Um, they yeah. use like him signing the solicitation thing as Kyle, as him being like delirious. He's not in yeah. his right mind. Because why is he signing Kyle? His right. name is well, obviously that, Thomas. I feel like that could still be used as evidence and correlation of their new findings of his state of mind. Maybe the judge. But was they'll just a probably bitch. have plenty of evidence when it comes to that. No offense. Oh, I don't know. It becomes a double whammy when the rope that was found in Thomas's parents' home, along with the porn and the jewelry that belonged to the victims, not the porn, but the jewelry that belonged to the victims, would be found to be inconclusive and also thrown out of court. Inconclusive of what? Like... Of relating to the case at all? So as in belonging uh, to the victims or whatever? Apparently what had happened was when the KCSO, so the Knox County Sheriff's Office, when their investigators sent the warrant to go search Thomas' parents' home, they went through the city judicial commissioner. And when they did this, an appellate court would later find that the commissioner didn't have any authority 
to issue a warrant. And so this warrant that they used to break into Thomas's parents' home was therefore invalid. And so anything that they found in the parents' home couldn't be used. Redacted. Yeah. Or not couldn't be redacted, but couldn't be used in court. Yeah, Yeah. it's redacted. Yeah. Warrant's no good. Redacted from the findings, my friend. Take it off the evidence take it out of evidence yeah no case me amigos the spiral continues and thomas husky's defense team gives the ultimate plot twist in court and state that his confession and his actions were not of his doing and that he was simply a man suffering from disassociative identity disorder otherwise known as DID, and that it was his alter ego, Kyle, who hated him and wanted to ruin his life that killed those women. Okay. Yep. Dr. Jeffrey W. Erickson would testify that Thomas was indeed suffering from a brain disorder, and he discovered that Thomas was suffering from this after he had broken to a home on the Knoxville Zoo grounds to steal money at the age of 16. There was another doctor that had been brought onto the witness stand that would testify that over a three-year period and 27 interviews, she would be she would be able to uncover his multiple personalities in which she introduced Kyle, Jericho, Timmy, and Larry. It was also on the witness stand that she would testify that Thomas was indeed insane at the time of the killings. Dr. McCoy would testify that Thomas's parents didn't emotionally support him throughout his childhood and made him feel like he was one of the caged animals that he had worked beside in the zoo. It was also revealed that Thomas had faced both physical and sexual abuse as a child, And in one instance, one of his teachers at Park Junior High School got involved, got him involved in a sadomasochistic prostitution ring in the mid 70s. Okay. This teacher, who Thomas would later call Connie or Charlotte, would pay Thomas to help women engage in their sadomasochist fantasies and basically said that when he got too old for these women, he moved on to male clients. And it was here where he would be forced to participate in gang rapes. And it was in this instance where one of the men involved was actually a police officer that Thomas would later dub Sergeant Blackie. And it was this instance that Dr. McCoy said broke his psyche. Well, and so also this makes sense for his solicitation charge back earlier Mm -hmm. so this means he could have been providing services instead of receiving them but the solicitation charge i don't know if you're just signing for a well i don't i would have to see the warrant because i guess a warrant can last for a while he got arrested in the 90s a warrant was like the forever yeah Yeah. i would have to see that not forever don't quote me on that but like in (laughs) a warrant a warrant is issued and it lasts unless, until that person is captured. Yeah. Or the, the deed for whatever the warrant is done. Hmm. During this experience, the teacher would also give Thomas code names, such as Kyle or Timmy, to match the character that he was supposed to play for his clients. So it's believed during this time that Kyle was created after Thomas had initially joined the prostitution ring and that Timmy had later emerged after the gang rape. Mm. It's also believed that Kyle is the one who was responsible for committing the violent acts. And when in his normal state, Thomas is not even aware of what he is doing or what his alter ego has done. Prosecutors, on the other hand, would desperately argue that Thomas was not mentally ill. Rather, he is simply faking it. He stole these different identities from TV show characters that were based on different soap operas that he had watched, such as Days of, such as Days of Our Lives, and that the name Kyle had actually came from East Knox Kyle Avenue, where Thomas had once lived. Hmm. 
Prosecutors would also argue that Thomas got his inspiration for this whole elaborate plan from the book Sybil, which is a book that talks about a woman suffering from multiple personalities. That's the book I was talking about earlier. Uh, There you go. I knew I'd recognize it if I heard the name, but yeah. So Thomas did in fact have the book. Um, I believe like he would tell that he, Dr. McCoy, that he read it in jail. He definitely read the book as a child and prosecutors really use this to push that this is where he got this idea from. Right. Prosecutors would even bring in one of Thomas's former cellmates, William Fletcher, in to testify that Thomas had told William that he intended to fake mental illness during the trial in order to avoid the death penalty that Thomas was facing because of these four murder charges. Thomas would also confess to Williams that he simply killed these women because he wanted to rob them and didn't want them going to authorities after the fact or to warn other women in the area that he was the one committing all of these heinous acts. But there is another inmate that comes forward and he's brought in to testify that Thomas never said any such thing never talked to the case about anyone it's this is such a like who's said what it's very yeah he said she said at the end of the day like it and no matter what i'm just like this guy obviously just needs to be put away because he's violent i don't care what way but like we just something needs to like at least be done about in that sense At this point, they like to point out that not all of uh, Thomas's childhood can be confirmed. So a lot of what the defense has been stating can't be, uh, I guess, like verified. And so it's ba- it's a really big game of he said, she said. Now that a lot of the evidence, the main evidence, the hard confirming evidence has been thrown out of the court. Damn. They were never able to confirm that a Connie or, oh, I didn't see in my notes, I think a Charlotte is what I said, had ever worked. Um, though I believe a Connie did work as a sub-teacher at the school was something that they were able to find. And when investigators were talking to Thomas's family, the only thing that seemed somewhat suspicious was that there was a time that he came home complaining of diarrhea and this was apparently the time that he had been raped by sergeant blackie oh wow though this officer again has never been verified to actually be a person that at least worked but i could imagine a police officer is not going to be someone that's going to be easily found if they don't want to be well yeah quotations on that yeah i'm sorry they're there everyone knows they're there but he's not available (laughs) but his family would again also say thomas loved to engage in elaborate fantasies so take with it what you will yeah it's Uh, literally up to your imagination yeah before the trial started they found thomas's cell with about 80 personal drawings potentially depicting the murders and its victims uh, they supposedly got a tip from someone with in the jail, though they never said who. And I don't know why, but it was supposedly like never presented in court. I don't know if that was like a legal thing or what, but that would have helped maybe. Mm. Defense attorneys get real, real crazy down this rabbit hole. I was reading at one point, like they are completely blaming the murders on someone else. And then at one point they're just going completely gung-ho with the uh, insanity defense. So the it really is kind of all over the place. There are a lot of good uh, articles and a lot of, like, official court records, I guess because the case has happened so long ago that have now been released that you can read about. But after three weeks of trial and five days of deliberation, it would end up in a deadlock. Split evenly at six to six, the jury was simply unable to decide if Thomas was insane or not. 
and this led to a mistrial on February 13th of 1999. And at this Damn. point, seven years have passed. And it has taken them this long to even get to the point of getting to a trial. Right. One of the jurors would state, it was on the responsibility part, not the guilt. But... Whatever the fuck that means. Like, he definitely did it. I, but I'm like, they didn't have the evidence that I'm talking about now. We have to think about that. Wasn't in court. They didn't see the jewelry that was in Thomas's literal literal possession or the rope that Thomas had in his, his possession that was said to They didn't know that? No. It got thrown. All of that got oh, thrown out yeah. of court. Because the warrant wasn't good. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a bitch? Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. It was a thing within the trial that they weren't able to prove through an autopsy that the uh, that Susan, Darlene, Patricia Anderson, or Patricia Johnson had been raped. But what they were able to get him on, thank God, otherwise I really do think this guy may have potentially walked free, were the other rape cases that would come about because this guy is a literal piece of shit. Uh, As soon as this case became really infamous within the area, a lot of women would come forward and be like, oh, yeah, that guy, he attacked me. Yep, that guy, he for sure attacked and raped me. That's amazing. I believe uh, 23 charges were brought against him for women that he attacked between 91 and 92 shit uh i think i also read somewhere it was like 32 separate offenses all together involving 10 victims were brought to trial at one point um on october 20th of 1995 husky would be convicted of rape and aggravated robbery in a case involving a 30 year old woman and in may 24th of 1996 a jury would convict Husky of rape, kidnap, and robbery on three separate occasions of sex workers that he had picked up in the 91 to 92 er, er, year. Uh, and these, this is the real charge that really got him sent to jail uh, when he got, these were all like class A felonies, I believe. And for this, he received four 22-year sentences to be conserved concurrently. But there was also a lot of, like, legal stuff here, too. I think at one point, they were saying, like, oh, his rights were infringed on certain things. So they wanted to, like, relook at his sentencing. It thankfully ended up staying the same. But it yeah. the legal process behind this has is very interesting to look at. Right. But so... Like, another, like, one legal thing that I wasn't going to get into, but I I can if you want me to. Yeah. When the, when he was being brought up, when he wanted to bring up his insanity plea, the state told him, okay, you have to be examined by the state to prove that you're legally insane. And at first he was like, that is infringing on my, uh, I wrote it down somewhere. and I can't fucking scroll. Well, what I was going to ask is that he was being accused of these murders, right? So Mm -hmm. why didn't he just go with the insanity plea? Um, Because Because of his whole diagnosis, Delia. Because in order to get the sanity plea, he had to go with the state. He had to submit. He had to sit with someone who worked for the state. And they examine him and they say, yes, this guy is mentally. Okay. And so when that was happening, uh, Thomas was like, oh, you're infringing on my uh, right to. He was like um, saying like his his lawyers wouldn't be with him. So that was like infringing on his rights. And then Uh, there was like like he deserved like a third party analysis or assessment or whatever. And there was like another. There are two specific terms that he used, and I cannot think. And my mouse isn't working. I have to do it. Yeah, so he ends up not getting charged for any of these murders. He's just serving life in jail, basically, for separate crimes that he's been proven 
to be and not even of. and not even life in jail um well so, yeah it's like consecutive sentences well, his, his parole life. he had a parole thing that came up in 2012 so oh, he sure. could have technically gone out like over a decade ago and don't tell me if he did because like some one article was like in a facebook post it looked like he did and i tried to find an article where it said like what it said about his parole hearing i wasn't able to find one my guess is he's still in jail because i would have a really hard time believing that they would let someone like that out but honestly it wouldn't be the most shocking thing i've heard on this podcast so i like i I don't know right but oh my god (laughs) Kristen! it's um so thankfully the two juries were able to find thomas husky guilty on those rape charges he would be sentenced like 66 64 ish years and he's doing that out the South Central Correctional Facility in Clifton, Tennessee. Um, but again, when it comes to those murder charges, those are technically unsolved. Those families don't technically have the justice that they deserve because Thomas was never found guilty for those murders. Right. Uh in October of 2005, 13 years after the discovery of Patricia's body... Court Judge Richard Bog- Baumgartner would dismiss the charges altogether against Thomas Husky after the District Attorney General had to give up the pursuit of the case. So this is no longer a case that they're even fighting for. Okay. The state Supreme Court would decide to stick with the June lower court decision that the case be dismissed. There was a lot of court mumbo jumbo that they tried to fight with um there is such there is a tennessee honor code thing called the good faith clause which they tried to use for the warrant stating like we tried to get this warrant in good faith thinking that this was the proper route to go for to go through and because of this you should make this warrant okay because like we had no idea that this was going to be the wrong place and that you were going to dismiss it like we were trying to do the right thing (laughs) give us good faith uh but the court was like no you're fucked it's not it's not (laughs) good it's not good greg isaac thomas's defense attorney would state that the dismissal against Husky validates that the criminal justice system works even if you're poor and can't afford a great defense team. Maybe. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Like I said, his first parole hearing was said to be around 2012-2015, but I hope this fucker is still rotting. Fingers crossed. Uh, The only hope that we can have that these murder charges do be brought up against Thomas Husky Though are still there, it will be a much harder process to go through or a much harder road to go down. Uh, it's it's going to be a win that's done largely on circumstantial evidence, which is not the easiest to do. Right. It's As very, we all should know by now. Just saying. It's very tricky, but not impossible. To this day, a lot of people, maybe myself included, I don't know believe that Thomas Husky was faking his mental illness. David Davenport, who is a retired Tennessee Bureau of Investigation agent who was associated with the KSCO detectives that were working on the case at the time, would state, I was there and I disagree. I personally feel he conned the whole system. He certainly gave that statement knowing what rights he had. Most most of his story he gleaned from television. When he became Kyle, he showed no remorse. He knew he was caught. Knox County District Attorney General Randy Nichols said, He killed more people than anybody in the history of this county. I'm going to do my best to try and put a case together. And like I had mentioned at the beginning of this case, this is unfortunately one of those cases where we do not get a lot of information on the victims. Uh, So there was really not a lot that I was able to find. But I do just want to give remembrance and tribute to the four victims that were lost. 32-year-old Patricia Anderson, Darlene Smith, Susan Stone, and Patricia Johnson. Wow. Yep, that's unfortunately the case of the Zoomian. 
Yeah, um, I feel like I have so many words, like, about this brewing in my mind about how, like, sex workers and those who fit in that circle or bubble of being forgotten, you know, the homeless population or, you know, or those experiencing hope, homelessness, uh, a lot of, it just, it's If you work and, with drugs, it's just yeah, like that. Yeah, like any kind of stigmatism and, and any kind of, uh, it just makes... <laughs> It's upsetting. These are people, they are just like you and me. It doesn't matter what profession they have. They have mouths that they have to feed. What ma- what, what matter in which they get their money doesn't fucking matter. Well, and they're just like, they're human beings. Sex work is the literal oldest profession that we have. It makes the world and we're go in round. Where, where, where again? I'm so sorry. Uh, fucking... Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, like, it's not like you're in New York, L.A., where, like, the departments are so overloaded with cases, you can't focus on, like, little, like, fucking eat my ass, dude. It's just a harsh reality we need to for care more. places everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of families that could, I feel like, have some sense of justice, but because of things like this, certain notions and certain, like, thought processes they just are like you know what they they just they went on a bender they went on a ride they went on a little trip and they'll be back and then that's just crucial timing crucial evidence that's lost and people are never seen or heard from again and mm, to think of the cases that we could have solved but right right mm. well thank you Kristen, for the zoom in wow um uh yeah, that one makes it makes you think. It this one makes you think. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like fuck, like it's almost like you kind of are not surprised by certain things, but no. then you give some. Th- no, it's sad that but you then don't you get are, surprised. But then you are surprised. You should be surprised by what happened, but it happens enough to where you're like, oh. But then you're not surprised, right? Like, you're not surprised, then you're surprised, and then you're not surprised. Because Mm -hmm. why should it be surprising? (laughs) And that should not be a normal feeling. Make that not normal. No, it's fucking sad, so. Take her blindfold off. Let her see. Let her whip it around. (laughs) Let her whip it around like a little party gown. That should be the new, um... The new statue. What's the statue in New York? (laughs) Yeah, Lady Lady Liberty with a crown? Fuck that. Give me her panties swirling over her head. Yes, riding the uh, bull off of fucking Wall Street. (laughs) Fuck that. (laughs) Okay, guys. I guess until next time. Fuck. If you have a case, because not running out, but makes it easier. We love to hear from y'all. We do love to hear from y'all. Send it to Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast at gmail.com. And follow us for socials on all the latest ingredients. See what flavor white claw I'm drinking. At R A R W Podcast. I swear he he walks in at the last <laughs> second. <laughs>